0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. All right, let's get CC on the phone. Calling her. Oh, we're right on time. It's one fifty-nine. Calling her at her home in Ireland. Right. There she is. And then, are you with me? Oh, there you are! I think so. Look at you. <laughs> Hi there. Hi.
1: How you doing?
0: I'm good, man. Uh, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna try and get a capture up here, and we're already live on the fake book. I couldn't figure out. Oh, there you are behind my screen. Oh, I couldn't figure out how to get the copy of the link Hi. to put in the tweet. So rather than work up a big sweat, uh, I've decided so to forego the. Uh, the uh later. link on twitter so uh, it'll be up on uh, YouTube, youtube later YouTube and YouTube hopefully YouTube you can put YouTube it out YouTube there YouTube YouTube for YouTube your fans YouTube. and then um uh, decided to the, uh, maybe someone will see it and love it perfect okay so <laughs> i'm just gonna go screen record here It'll be up on youtube later and hopefully i got a little bit of a lag coming through that, oh maybe i'm still yeah, playing uh, here one second sorry robin
1: no problem Are you are you live right now?
0: Yeah, just on Facebook and oh yeah, that's what's happening. It's playing in the background here. Um, yeah, they're kind of. I do you participate in Facebook at all?
1: No, okay. I uh, deleted my Facebook account almost two years ago now.
0: Okay, uh, <laughs> they're kind of like cheap views, but you know when I have a decent guest, I usually get a two or three thousand views so
1: it's a much bigger platform than twitter i think there's many 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 more users on facebook than twitter so you will get much better numbers um i just found that i didn't enjoy using facebook um and for the purposes of my content i really only use youtube and twitter um and then for like my personal use i kind of use instagram now Instagram has become what Facebook was to me—like keeping in touch with friends and family.
0: Oh, okay, I got you.
1: Yeah, so I just try—I just try to eliminate Facebook. <laughs> mm. One more second here.
0: Do this right, and then drag and drop. Okay, start recording. So we'll have something of you anyway there. Mm -hmm. and uh so thank you very much for your time uh cc bucko on twitter or critical condition critical condition on youtube i Mm -hmm. think cc bucko will show up on youtube as well uh Mm -hmm. robin is the host of uh the show girl talk so i appreciate your time robin thanks for coming in and i'm talking to you today from your home in ireland is that right
1: no, okay. uh, I live. I live. I live in Europe, but I don't actually give out my exact location. Oh, okay. So it's a it's a mystery. Pe- people like to guess. Uh, my accent is a little weird because I'm from Newfoundland, a little and weird. I did. I did. I used to live in Ireland, so I guess you can you can eliminate that one.
0: Well, from the list, <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes lovingly ref- well I refer to your accent as something very interesting across between. Uh, is Nufi offensive? I don't. I'm tired no, of no, worrying about all. offending people. All. Canadian you know I mean? is
1: offensive to me, but Nufi New- isn't. Uh, so uh,
0: <laughs> you know, I my name is Irish as well, Fannin, but uh, you know, I don't have a whole lot of connection to my ancestry, which mm. you know I hope to catch up on one day. But uh, you know, it was just not something that was culturally available in my home, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's so many generations down, uh, you know. It's almost like how do you how do you expect to know it and when you're mixed away, exactly well, it find uh, I find out that somebody did an, uh, uh, an ancestry search uh, my father who's almost 75 now had a long lost older sister he didn't know about to track him down after he was about 70 years old yeah out of nowhere Sc- amazing scandal yeah complete scandal <laughs> um and and so they did their research and and it turns out I mean we always knew that we had distant cousins like Robert Goulet but Goulet mm-hmm. runs really deeply in my heritage, and I'm like, I had no idea I was that French, and that's not—it just doesn't sit well with me. It's <laughs> <No offense laughs> to a French people. That's
1: really funny. So, I did. Yeah. I did my um, my 23andMe yeah about a year ago because I was. I mean, I've always known um, that I'm. I have uh, an Irish and kind of English. Background because I'm from Newfoundland and all of us from Newfoundland have that similar kind of mixture between English and Irish. But um, just out of curiosity, because um, I didn't have much actual details about my my family, I did the 23andMe and and I found out that I have um, I think it's 12% of my DNA is also French German, which was it was a big shock to me uh, to be honest (laughs) because I had always I had always more identified with the with the Irish english side of things but it's in there it's but, in there There's especially no doubt
0: about when you it. say but it's really there when you say but <laughs> so just start at the beginning if you could and tell us a little bit about where where you started out how you got here who and just give us a, a good primer and foundation on who you are
1: okay well um As we said, I'm a Newfie, and um, I was raised in Outport, Newfoundland, in a very tiny little um, dying fishing community, which now really just survives on tourism alone. And I was raised in a very uh, Christian and conservative household, which at the time I found very restricting. Um, and, you know, wanted, wanted to go explore the big wide world out there and, uh, get some adventure growing up in such an isolated, uh, place for my entire life. And so I did that and I ended up in, uh, Ontario for five years before I left Canada and I did my liberal arts degree and there was, that was where I got my, um, I mean, I call it my indoctrination, <laughs> um, which I have since deprogrammed um, myself from having. But that was where I sort of got my liberal outlook on life. And that stuck with me for, um, well, yeah, the whole time I was in university, there was a very heavy liberal bias in, at my university. All my friends were liberal. And so this kind of, um, it made it difficult to, re- even more difficult to relate to my family because I, I, found, I felt like I, I knew everything. Right. And I had, I had the new hip knowledge and my parents and the grandparents were sort of stuck in the past. So, um, I guess fast forward to around 2016, I'm, I'm living my, my liberal millennial carefree live in the moment lifestyle and, um, quite directionless, pretty unhappy to be honest, uh, with where my life had, had brought me to that point, you know, um, not really taking responsibility for myself, um, running in circles that weren't a good influence on me, having a few addictive tendencies, which, you know, I made excuses for. And the Donald Trump thing was kind of like, um, it woke me up out of a slumber that I was in, I guess, you know, because it was shocking to me that, that this was happening to begin with. And I was surrounded by all liberals. They they really disagreed with uh, Trump, and so I obviously looked into some of the debates and stuff. And I found myself really enjoying his takes on things. Um, and that was surprising to me. It was disorienting to me, and it pushed me back towards my family because they got it, you know, straight away. Um, they my my father is an American, and he he really he really loved Trump right from the beginning. So. I began sort of revisiting um, conservatism from the perspective of um, various uh, influences in my family, you know, from my father, my grandparents, my mother, and then through this sort of alternative media community that I found on YouTube, which sort of opened my mind up to just a, a, a different way of looking at things that I had never been exposed to. Um, and a critique of the liberal um, opinions that I had that I found to be very uh, cathartic in, you know, I felt like there I was released from a lot of the ideas that I had gathered over the years and in university. And then as a result, I was inspired to kind of make my own content from the perspective of someone who was, you know, raised quite traditionally and conservatively, lost their way and has come back to it. And so... Um, yeah, that's kind, of, that's kind of what my focus is on my channel is just uh, making a case for traditionalism, uh, right wing ideas, and uh, traditional femininity, motherhood, family, um, things that I think, um, you know, would have been normal and you know, kind of intrinsic to everyday life back in the day. But I think as a society, we've lost touch with those things and they need reiter- reiteration.
0: Hmm. Do you find that there's a difference? In- and can I can share a similar path. Uh, path as you from the standpoint that I'm hearing that you're kind of red-pilled that I yeah, you know and <laughs> That's and, the
1: word we use. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: and I've, They're trendy terms and and they're applicable and we have stereotypes for a reason they're they're accurate mm-hmm. and uh, I In 1993 was introduced to the Green Party. I fell in line with their platform. It's very leftist mm-hmm. I'm still left on a lot of social issues, but mm-hmm. I've changed my mind on an, Important issues like uh, abortion. I'm not sure exactly where I land now. What's right? But I know I'm completely against late-term abortion. Uh, I can't. I can't understand how anyone would shout your abortion or be proud to say, "Yeah, I had one, and you should try it too." I, I just—it's crazy. I made the comment the other day that here these activists are, these pro abortionists or pro-choicers and then and guaranteed they're out in front of Marineland protesting a freaking dolphin in a cage like you can't have it both ways and and similarly yeah. on capital punishment <laughs> i don't know that i've completely reversed 180 but i kind of feel like no man has the right to take another man's life now all life has intrinsic value maybe if you're a mass mur- I, i'm not sure but i'm just ag- against just the the concept of killing another human being so mm-hmm. um and I found it very—you called it disorienting. I, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm traditionally a very loyal guy. I'm loyal to my, to my, woman, to my, to my God, to my sports teams.
1: Yes, and of I course. And I didn't
0: know that I would feel so much pain coming off of what I once considered to be truth. Yes. And now yeah. I, ha- and now I have a, you know, I have to give myself some credit because I've grown. I think I've grown in wisdom and and I'm not 24 anymore (laughs) and and I I, I say all that to ask you the question do you think there's a difference between someone like your father that's grown up traditionally conservative Mm -hmm. and someone like us that's grown up and I think we're born into left and right men and women there, you know, the there, there is five. science which says yeah. that it
1: can be you know sort of hereditary um hereditary hereditary yeah
0: no definitely that yeah. you're programmed in the big five you know if you if you yes. if you're into that kind of thing and we can talk about your aspects and and what you kind of i mean i'm off the charts enthusiasm creativity <laughs> like all and very low in politeness you know what i mean like <laughs> um but i wonder if you see a difference or uh logistically out there in the world a difference between the people that grew up traditionally c- conservative and have never changed and I, I think there's a lot less w- w- what color is the pill when you go from conservative to liberal I think that doesn't happen as much as the it liberals are really coming don't. right and you know the whole saying is oh yeah if you don't vote left you have no heart when you're young and you know when you're grown up if you don't vote conservative you, you've got no brain I, I like that because yeah. it kind of speaks to me as being super smart now, and I wasn't so much before. <laughs> I have no problem saying, "Hey, I was young and idealistic," but I, I wonder if you see a difference in the person in the people that have experienced this reg pilling. You know, contrast that with people that just grew up conservative and stayed that way their whole time.
1: Uh, I think if there is a, a, an element to like personality trait that would indicate someone who would be more likely to change their views, it would be um, openness or oh, openness great, to ex- to experience, point. right? Mm-hmm. Um, those characteristics tend to be associated more with liberal types, right? Mm-hmm. Being open to ideas and that right. kind of thing. But as the left has become more and more authoritarian, people who are genuinely open-minded uh, find themselves being a little bit uncomfortable with what the left has has uh, turned into and what, yeah. what it now represents. And so I think that there's a natural kind of pushing away of people who are who are genuinely open-minded uh, from the left to what um,
2: the is now
1: the conservatives seems... because the conservatives are the only ones who are actually advocating for true freedom of speech mm, right and true openness of ideas and, and true uh, debate in the public space. So I think I think that has a lot to do with it.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because I, I mean I was a lefty because I felt like they were more. You know, you come from the '60s, even into the '70s, the left was seemed to be the one championing freedom of speech, and now you, you can't say those things because it's hateful, and someone's mm-hmm. going to get their feelings hurt. And mm-hmm. I really love to, <laughs> to, you know, I've been watching too many Tim Pool videos lately, but it's just um, <laughs> it, 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 it's enraging me from the standpoint that one, don't I don't have any guns, but don't take my guns. And don't try and limit my speech like that. If we can just get clear on those things, I think I'd feel a lot better. But the left doesn't seem to be those two things
1: are integrally tied as well, because Mm -hmm. if you don't have guns, how do you expect to defend your speech? Mm -hmm. You know, there's a reason why the First Amendment is speech. And then the second one is is, you know, to arm yourself. It's they 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 relate to one another in that your speech is automatically threatened if you have no means of self-defense.
0: Hmm. Great. Talk to me about what you see happening in in the the limiting of free speech, the big tech taking big swipes, you know, Alex Jones. And these guys have all been right. They're like, Alex Jones is only the first. Mm -hmm. And I I was like, yeah, you think? And now Mm -hmm. we're seeing, you know, broad strokes of banning and count deactivations. Another one today of, uh, you know, educational. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think what's really ironic about these waves of censorship is that they're done in an effort to de-radicalize the digital space, right? People make the argument that, um, you know, the youths are being radicalized. We're trying to prevent random acts of violence and, and this kind of stuff. Um, uh, we need to, we need to remove these, these sort of hate speech, uh, thought criminals from our platforms, uh. And I, I, I don't think that it's necessarily nefarious. I don't think that they're lying, that they think that they're doing that. But what I think is ironic is that um, I think that this will result in more radicalization of people. Because when um, Jordan Peterson has a really good quote that he says, the alternative to negotiation is war. And if you take people out of the conversation, you you make them feel like they have um nowhere to go their voice isn't being heard uh they feel like no one is representing the ideas or values that they hold dear what do you think is going to happen to that person they of course will be radicalized um so i think that this is going to be i mean the censorship issue is going to be um it's going to get much much worse you know i think that we're going to see um right what they're doing with the with the the larger accounts is they're paving the way to do a wide sweeping mm. censorship i think of all the little accounts afterwards because if they start with the little accounts that builds momentum right and then they have the big guys up there that can support them and you know br- bring awareness to this but if they take all the big guys out first and no one says anything, you know, and they get away with it. It's, you know, a matter a matter of, you know, pushing a button, essentially. And all the other little guys are gone, too. So I think we need to move to alternative platforms. I think people need to start setting up their, uh, their BitChute accounts, their Gab accounts, their Telegram channels. And uh, prepare for the worst, personally. Amen.
0: I just looked into BitChute today, but, I mean, I've got 400 videos on YouTube. That's not easy just to transfer over. I'm sure they don't have it, just an easy transfer button. You have to get them down. You have to transfer them, move them over, upload them all again. I mean, And uh, as much as I'm tied to Google, uh, I find Gmail to be cr- crazy e- e- easy. Uh, YouTube is, you know, where I get all my information now. Of course. Uh, I, I very rarely listen to my traditional um uh, Uh, terrestrial radio uh talk Mm. show my am talk show that i i never i mean i wouldn't leave the dial or the website from streaming that show nine to 12 every day Mm. now i find it it's almost like well i should we should tune in but maybe i'll just do it after this tim pool video or this you know rogan interview or something it's just (laughs) you know uh and strangely for a guy that kind of You know as a mind like an air traffic controller I can sit in one spot and listen to hours and hours and like long form is perfect for me and they were all like no no if you if you don't make two-minute videos no one's gonna watch well wrong again look at Joe Rogan he's the biggest thing on on uh, on the internet now as far as talk shows go and he's all three-hour conversations so in that same line of thinking I don't know how good you are at predicting the future but how do you see it going I see I see that Western civilization and their democracies now seem to be swinging back right. Uh, mm. We've seen it in uh, some provinces. Uh, I hope we see it federally. And I'm not a conservative voter. I, um, I mean, Max Bernier speaks to me more than anyone now, I guess uh, only because of the weak leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. And don't even start me on Justin Trudeau. Wow. Mm. And you know... I, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Greg Vesna. He's in the ammonia business. So trying to get it off the ground. What a nightmare for the last 25 years. And even he helped Justin get elected. Even he was hopeful when he was elected. Even he was thinking, okay, well, 50-50 gender Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's that's nice. I'm hopeful. And then he just he just gave it to us. And it just made me so much more cynical because I'm not a liberal voter. Never have been. Uh, I, I vote Green. Last time I voted none of the above because my friend Greg, same guy, started a party because they wouldn't put it on the ballot in Canada or Ontario. You should mm. be able to vote for none of these turkeys. So he started yeah. a party called the none of the above party. So how do you think it all plays out You know, politically and even with the big data or the big tech, you know, the censorship, it feels like we're moving back right again. And I'm not a supporter of Doug Ford. I can't hardly Mm -hmm. stand what he's doing, (laughs) but I'm so pleased to see him undoing everything the left did while they were in power for 12 years. It's just a, it's like, you know, if you didn't complain about false majority governments before, it looks good on you, because here comes Doug Ford with his 46% popular vote, and he's mashing it down your throat. So I wonder if you've got any ideas on how this all plays out. I know the pendulum's got to swing back and forth, and i also can can see right now that a lot of people get hurt that are in the way of that pendulum when it swings back i'm just wondering if you yes. if you see um, it, the you know I what think, the future looks like
1: i think uh it's going to be different for different countries um, especially if you're talking about like, cause you know, Western, Western societies would, would include North America as well as Europe. And there would be, um, populist movements of varying degrees, which are gaining momentum all across Europe. Um, for Canada specifically, I don't have a ton of hope personally as someone who, uh, I, I feel that I am a g- genuinely right wing individual, um, I don't really like even the word conservative anymore because the conservatives in Canada are not conservative. They're liberals right. essentially, mm-hmm. right? You know, they don't actually they don't they don't have any conservative policies. So, um I mean, with Canada, I'm not yeah, I'm just not really hopeful. I think personally that um if you are a Canadian and you you are feeling this shift towards the right the best thing that you can do is to get active in your local communities escape the cities you know if you can I understand that's not something that everyone can do but um bringing things back down to the local level mm-hmm. a lot of good can be done in your neighborhoods and in your communities to um, help you know the the people who are in our country who are struggling. You know, and there are a lot of them, actually, that they get overlooked in the in the sort of the big government extravaganza that's constantly, you know, distracting all of us mm. from the functioning of our society. So, I mean, the, the problem for me with regard to the future of Canada is that there isn't a single politician that has a common sense position on immigration. And so... Mm. If that issue, if that issue was going to be um, discussed in a realistic way, I would be open to listening to whoever it was, whether okay. they were, they, whether they presented themselves as a Liberal or NDP or the ber, ber, um, ber, the PPC, I think yep. People's People's yep. Party of Canada. I mean, the thing is, like, I I don't, I, I I'm not quite as loyal, I guess as mm-hmm. you are, with regard to which party I'm voting for. Oh, I if find were, myself if,
0: less and less loyal these days, I'll tell you. And Max Bernier, I think, has yeah. got a strong position on immigration. I don't know how detailed it is, but he's the only one saying, well, we you know, we can't number. do this we need, anymore.
1: We need a number with regard to the immigration, mm-hmm. right? Like how many, how many are we talking a year? And I think the lowest number I've heard from any uh, Canadian politician is upwards of 300,000, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit less than 300,000. That, to me, is too much when we have veterans on the street we have tons of immigrants and refugees which currently need quite a lot of assistance Mm -hmm. already in our country um taking in more is irresponsible because not only can we not provide them with the care that they need we can't provide our own people Mm. with the care that they need um so yeah to to me the immigration issue is i'm I'm kind of a one issue voter at this point Well, how do you, you know,
0: resolve that with the argument that, that you know these people come into our country, they're only on our social services for a couple of years before they're in fact paying taxes and being productive members of society as well? I well, mean, we're not having not babies anymore. Based, we
1: don't have a... uh, based on my my knowledge, and now maybe I, maybe I shouldn't make claims that I, because I haven't looked at these studies and these reports in a long time, but I'm pretty sure you can go to the Government of Canada website and look at the difference in percentages of people who would be visible minorities and immigrants, and um, you can see who is and who isn't um, on welfare, basically. And there is a there is a lot of them. There is a lot of them. And the, the thing the thing is like I'm I'm all for helping people in need, but that's not what the the welfare system is for. You know, people pay into the welfare system over generations. You know, it doesn't make sense to have someone come in, be here for two years and then be availing of the taxes that have been paid by pe- by families who built this country. Mm. You know, you what know I, mean? I hear
0: that argument all the time. I'm getting I'm 65 paid into social, um, you know, old age, whatever we call it, CCP my whole life. And these guys walk across the border illegally mm. if they feel like it. And they're getting more money instantly than I get on an old age security pension. Uh, after paying into it for 65 years. I, I mean, I don't know how to counter that argument. Other, you know, i give you a well, couple ideas. The, the truth
1: is that the elites don't care about these people. The, the the lie that the people who are importing these underprivileged refugees and economic mi- migrants into Canada do not actually care about them. They're importing their voter base. Mm. It's It's true by every metric that immigrants vote more liberal um than the uh the old stock Canadian or the original um American demographics of the country. They always tend to well sometimes they're quite split actually. I think it's 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 been quite fifty-fifty among the white and European descent demographics. Um we tend to not vote in in sort of homogeneous blocks quite as often. But the immigrants they they genuinely do tend to vote more liberal and so it's in the liberal government's interest to import as many of them as they can, so that they can secure a voting base for themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I guess uh, I, my, one of my favorite questions for my guests is what uh, some of the uh, conversations that we're not having or having badly that you think mm-hmm. are at the top of the list. I guess you put immigration at the top of that list.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think everyone is making everyone is making kind of arguments that are most of the time, it's just like, I want to show how virtuous I am, you know, and that's happening on both the left and the right. And the reality is that, you know, people who are at the bottom of society who are working class people who are struggling to find jobs struggling to get on their feet are the people who are most negatively affected by um, waves and waves of mass immigration. And I don't think that our government is even remotely able to um properly help the people that they're importing so Mm -hmm. i think that it's kind of a disaster a disaster situation for for everyone you know the left will make the the claim oh you know it's 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 bad it's bad for um it's it's bad for the immigrants if we don't let them in and the right will say well it's bad for us if we do but really i mean like it genuinely is bad for everyone It'd be much better, it would be much better off sending support to people in their home country so that they can build and, you know, secure, stable societies for the countries that they live in mm-hmm. than import them and put them on welfare. You know, that's that doesn't seem like a, a proper long-term solution to me.
0: And what's kind of – where do you find this – I'm having a hard time looking at London and places mm-hmm. in the U.K. and thinking – like, I've never been there. I can only go by the media reports that I see – but a massive, massive, sh- uh, immediate shift in numbers mm-hmm. and 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 culture. You know, it, it mm-hmm. seems like they, they're struggling with a real class of cultures of people that aren't assimilating or are not blending yeah. in the communities. They're taking them over, and I mean mm-hmm. that to me. I mean, I look across the pond and go, "Well, wow that that could be Canada," and that doesn't sound like a like, a good thing, and I, I don't find myself overtly racist or intolerant of other societies. Uh, no. But you, you, I mean, you look at some of the real cultural issues over there now, and it's like you walk through neighborhoods that you just don't recognize anymore compared to even yeah. five years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. Child child marriages are on the rise in the U.K. right now. Female genital mutilation is on the rise right now in the U.K., stabbings. Are on the rise in London right now. Um, there's there's a ton of tension right now between the LGBT community and the Muslim community, really? which tend to be, um, well, you know, very very um, devoted Muslims, people who are um, less you know less moderate. Or Westernized Muslims tend to be kind of homophobic. If well, you, if you yeah, look guess, at yeah. a lot of a lot of, you know, like very extreme Islamic countries, they tend to be very, very uh, violent and hateful towards people who are in the LGBT community and the LGBT community is attempting to get, you know, sex ed programs, which deconstruct gender. Um, and normalize um normalize those sorts of things in the minds of children, which I actually don't agree with personally. i don't I don't think that children should be learning these things in school. I think those are conversations for parents mm. and kids to be having. And so there's this clash between, you know, very uh, conservative Muslims, which, don't believe in um, homosexuality as something which will ever be valid, and the LGBT community, which are trying to um, spread awareness and educate on the things that are important to them, right? So there's, like, this very fundamental clash of ideas uh, between these two cultures, and that's just one example of how mm-hmm. the sort of social order is breaking down in the UK. You
0: know, I kind of I I developed, I think, a false impression that the left and right was further divided, they, that might be true, and that we're at each other's throats more than we ever have been. I'm, I'm quite sure that's not true. I mean, we we have had mm. civil wars where we were much more divided. Uh, of course. And I kind of fell for that idea also with men and women, that men and women seem to be all, like, finally wide apart and then at each other's throats more than they ever have been. I've come to the clu- conclusion since then and kind of did some, a deep dive on the big five and, and learned a lot trying to solve this issue and I came up with the idea mm-hmm. that no it's just the extremes the radicals on on the tail ends of the distributions that have the, a really loud voice now with social media and mm-hmm. convince the 95 of percent of us moderate m- moderates in the middle who are silent that say nothing that they speak for the majority when they when they really don't and mm-hmm. you know going back to this idea like I think the Jews and the Christians and the Muslims all need to have a a, a really important conversation about how we're of moving course. forward. And, you know, mm-hmm. religious tension has been around since the beginning of man. I get that. And it's sometimes true. even the gods change. You know what I mean? Um, and, and left and right politically, men and women politically, this idea that, no, you're a bigot, you're, a, you know, the name calling and we're done. I mean, what What's going to have to take place? And I wonder... Do you buy into the idea that the moderate middle needs to be mobilized and needs to get active and part of the conversation? Because right now we're just leaving it to the wackos on on both ends, both of which most of us in the middle are looking both back to bo- both sides, going, "Would you guys all shut up? You're idiots! <laughs> like we don't, we're not like that. You know, we're not radical and extreme like that."
1: Um, I mean, I the middle, no. I mean, like personally, uh, I think. I think that the truth and what's right can be found on the right side. I guess that would make me further right than you are. And I kind of feel a little bit of um, irritation with people who won't take a side sometimes. And I'm not I'm not talking about you or anything like that. But um, I think the fence sitters and the, the the kind of, you know, people are just like trying to calm everything down. It serves a purpose because we don't want, we don't want people like literally fighting each other. It's always horrible when you see people, you know, who are protesting and then it just comes to like people literally punching each other. Like that's not solving anything, but a genuine debate needs to occur. A genuine conversation needs to occur and that's not going to happen if you have this liberal bias in our consumer culture, our, um, you know, news media, in the education system, um, now being put into the the legislation and in social media towards the left, the conversation is not being had, you know, we're not able to say, you know, well, maybe the right gets these things right and we can compromise on these things over here on the left and vice versa. That, that that's no longer happening you know and as the left becomes more radical i mean i think it's important to pick a side mm. personally because this this to me like as i'm a christian um and for me this is as much a fight between good and evil as it mm. is a fight between left and right
0: like a spiritual war rather than a. Political yeah, well that's one.
1: how it feels to me i mean mm. i could be wrong yeah. about that but that's I have many that's people how it seems my,
0: yeah my men's group uh often puts that context around the arguments and I think it helps for people that believe in, in a higher power whether you're a Christian or not uh, I'm just wondering you know how we how we find the tolerance and especially I just find it repugnant that you look at the left and they claim to be all this to to- they're not tolerant at all they're no. dressed in black with masks on their face marching in the street beating people up I mean I, mm-hmm. I know you can find you know instances where the right has been violent too, but most, like when the left does it, it's nasty. And and so there's a lot of subjects that are taboo. Again, I'm a little less obvious and straight out there like saying abortion's wrong. Duh, everyone knows, like who would, you know what, I'm gonna get pregnant, I'm gonna be a single mom, then I'm gonna flip, I'm gonna have an abortion. But you know, know, I think we've normalized it way too much in this late term stuff, Mm -hmm. I know it's not common but the late turn stuff gets me crazy. What are the some, some of the issues that you consider too toxic to even go, like, to talk, discuss publicly or go near?
1: Oh, there are no topics that I'm unwilling to discuss publicly. I think all ideas, especially the ones which make us most uncomfortable, are the ones we need to spend time talking about the most because we need to find out why we're uncomfortable with talking about these things. If we let things lie under the surface... Society will continue to rise in, ten- like in tension, like a pressure cooker, mm-hmm. until we do actually see violence in our streets. That's not acceptable to me. I don't want people to be feeling like their views aren't being represented and being heard. Because as I said before, this is what radicalizes people. Mm-hmm. You know, And if someone has uh, bad ideas, ideas that aren't based in reality ideas that are genuinely hateful or hurtful to some people, it's important that that person is able to speak, not only so that we can identify them and keep an eye on them, Mm. but so that we can prove them wrong, you know, Mm. in the public space, so that they don't seek underground social networks where they can become more extreme or more radicalized um, and more sort of ostracized from you know regular everyday people and what they believe mm. so i mean i don't there's there's literally nothing that i won't discuss um and if i don't know then i'll say i don't know i have no problem mm. saying that i don't know sure. something
0: yeah there's but no sense getting into a all conference.
1: ideas deserve to be spoken about you know Yeah,
0: there's certainly no uh you know point in getting into a discussion where you're unarmed as far as knowledge goes and that's kind yeah, of exactly you know i have a you know a take on the middle east but i'm certainly not going to venture into that but i don't have well, no neither do i i don't, do know I. I don't because i genuinely
1: set. don't know it's a very complicated mm-hmm. issue
0: and it kind of you know i i i've watched almost everything that peterson did in his early work because i'm really interested in the psychology of of the human mind and uh, the big 5 answered a lot of questions for me and i very rarely see him avoid a question except on the jewish question when it was a very specific question. I didn't find mm-hmm. it hateful. The guy was very respectful. He mm-hmm. says, "I appreciate your work. You've changed my life, but this, 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 and this, and what do you got to say? And he walked back and forth on the stage many times before he just said, "You know what? I can't do it. not do it or yeah. I won't do it. Uh, I think he said he couldn't do it at the time. I can't and usually, do it, yeah. you know, I've watched enough uh, uh Jordan Peterson to to know that sometimes he's just not emotionally prepared. To, yeah. to take that on, and I get that. Mm-hmm. He's on the stage. Like, uh, I can't, you know, I can't blame him for saying no, but it seemed, and I think I saw your reaction to it, and I know that you were, I think, more of a fan in the early days going through his stuff yeah. than you had I mean, become... I'll
1: always be grateful to him. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: that's where the, the handle comes from, is it not?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes, he's so welcome.
0: I mean, he's had <laughs> such a great influence in so many people's lives, and then you tire, and you're like, okay, well, that's – that that and that all put together and you kind of you've come down a notch a little bit on Mm -hmm. him so what are your thoughts on on peterson now
1: on jordan um i think that he had the potential to um do a lot more good than what he's done i'll never ever um you know deny the fact that he was a huge influence in me, um, sort of fixing my life, you know, sorting myself out. Yeah. This this thing that he says a lot, you know, he, his um, authorship program mm-hmm. was a game changer for me. Really? Um, absolutely. I did. I did it. Um, the past, present, and future. You did all and three, it was right? immense. It's immensely helpful to me. Um, His lectures on feminism were immensely Mm. helpful to me because I felt like for the first time I saw an academic, an intellectual expressing what I always knew and felt inside, you know, to be intuitively true. Um, That was huge for me. Uh, But the thing is, Jordan Peterson uh, became a businessman. Mm. He stopped being an intellectual And he became a businessman and he uh, was taken up by a ad agency, I think called CAA
2: Yeah.
1: who, um, I mean, if people don't know about this company, they represent, you know, the biggest names in Hollywood, very strong liberal bias. Um, And there are certain things that Jordan Peterson is not allowed to speak about because he absolutely, you Mm -hmm. know, like, um, there are things that he's remained very suspiciously silent on. I mean, are you aware of the, the sort of Bill Watcott hate speech thing that's happening in British Columbia right now?
0: Uh, remind me. I'm not sure if I do.
1: So Bill Watcott, was, um, he's, a, he's a Christian man from British Columbia, and he was uh, passing out flyers regarding, a I think, an NDP candidate uh, named Morgan Ojai, who is a trans woman, who is very, very active in trying to get um, sex ed in sort of public school for the youth in British Columbia? And so, Bill, being a Christian, doesn't believe that there can be a genuine transition between genders. He believes that God created man and woman, and that's it. You're born a woman, you die a woman, and that that that's his that's his belief, okay? And he was concerned about the youth, so he made a bunch of flyers. And handed them out in his neighborhood saying, this is what I think about Morgan Auger, right? Um, spreading awareness about what sort of policies Morgan Auger is going to be focusing on. And as a result, he was pulled before a human rights tribunal and fined $55,000. The original uh, amount was $30,000, um, but they tacked on an extra 20000 because he wore a T-shirt that uh, had a picture of Morgan Auger on it, and I think something about Morgan Auger being born a man or something like this. Now, is is this something that I would recommend people go do? No, I wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, do I think that um, Bill has every right to express his religious beliefs during a political campaign and make his community aware of what his personal opinions are? Absolutely. I don't think that. Um, he did anything wrong personally, you know, I think it was, I think you could make the argument that it's offensive, right? But sure. like,
2: you don't have be, right so being to be offensive, offensive
1: shouldn't be illegal. That's kind yeah. of my position yeah. on things, right? And Jordan Peterson was silent on this issue, which yeah. I found to be extremely suspicious as he basically used the whole transgender pronoun issue with regard to bill c16 to launch himself into the public eye and build a name for himself on Mm -hmm. and now here one of his countrymen you know a fellow christian man who's standing up for what he believes in is being you know dragged through the ringer being fined um you know immense amounts of money for hate speech and jordan peterson is silent so for me like this is I, i i can't look at him as a hero anymore Right. I can't look at him as a positive role model, even if he's going to put his book sales and his business ventures before what I believe, you know, at least originally were his convictions. Mm -hmm. So that's where the issue is. It's not that I don't appreciate how Jordan Peterson helps people because he does help people. And and I'm one of those people. But I think he's sold out kind of is Mm -hmm. the problem.
0: All right. C.C. Bucko is my guest follower on Twitter. Um, Robin, I really appreciate the time. What? Uh, who are you watching these days? Who are you kind of, because I, you know, I was a terrestrial radio guy. And then mm-hmm. I kind of said something that a sponsor didn't like, and I found myself without that radio job anymore. And I'm, I'm in a small town, 150,000 people, uh, mm. 400,000 in the Niagara region. And I missed it. I st- I still miss it. Terrestrial radio is kind of where I found my groove. I, I'm good at it. I like it. I did political talk, and, and I brought musicians in to play the bumper music, like live, local musicians to play the bumper. I'm sorry that
1: happened to you. That's awful.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I'm, but then, you know, I found a little solace in like, you got to get fired in, in, in that industry. You have to get fired. Like I told these guys, like it's, it's, it's my goal for you guys to actually fire me three times, which means you have to hire me back two more times. Like, you know, like I, I really am committed to coming back. Um, and then somebody said, well, Jimmy wants you do podcast. I'm like, come on. Everyone and their brother does a podcast. And they were going, well, it's Joe Rogan. Everyone's brother. I went, who like seriously a few years ago i didn't even know who joe rogan was and so <laughs> you know i got i went really deep on him one of the first guests i had was the ice man um the swedish guy with the breathing techniques mm-hmm. um wim wim Hof, and then very soon after that uh Ah, uh, the guy that uh, is into Stephen Kotler came up with this flow. How to get into the flow? So you got you got writer's block. Here's how you get into that mode where you're sinking every ball on the pool table. You just can't miss. And I found that yeah. interesting. And so I really went down the rabbit hole with Rogan. And then it wasn't long before Peterson came on Rogan. I thought, wow, yeah. what a conversation! And then I kind of slipped up And you know who got me into this? Is all the who's the first conservative talk show host? Rush Limbaugh. He was the first guy, that uh, yeah. I, you know, and I hated him. I hated yeah. him, but I couldn't stop listening to him. He was on a Buffalo station here, and so I've gone down and Larry King, and gone down the dial, and then Crowder, and I find myself Shapiro. I like Shapiro because he's just so objective. He really cr- he cranks on his own party and his own people. He's really good at saying that is stupid, Trump, and here's what you should have done. Yeah. And I don't agree with him, yeah, especially yeah. on the Israel question. Obviously, he's a Jew, but you know. Uh, <laughs> And i had, and, and I you know, kind of tired of him <laughs> lately. I've been going, uh, Tim Poole's kind of speaking to me lately because he's really speaking to this big tech uh, censorship game. So, yeah. and uh, I found myself going, hey, Crowder, I never miss a Thursday night. I love Crowder. I think he's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I love, you know, I always tweet, he hates Canada. He's Canadian. Don't you get the, you know. Uh, but I was just, I was getting tired. I'm like, yeah, I feel like I need something new. And then Poole came along. Yeah. So I found a little bit with Tim Poole. But I just wonder who are who are you crushing on now or who have you faded off of. I know you're doing your own stuff. So I started off guests. with all
1: the guys that you are you you just listen listed. Um those were those were kind of um my favorites back when I was listening to Jordan Peterson. Um and for me now these guys are in my opinion, these guys are very much a part of the establishment. They aren't actually addressing the issues which are most important in my personal opinion. So if you're looking for people who are really sticking their neck out there um, and you want someone who is going to t- like like really wrestle with those hard questions, I would look into the Red Elephants.
2: Okay, um, I saw that recently.
1: Yeah, Red Elephants is excellent. Um, there is a gentleman named... Um, Dr. Edward Dutton, who is a, um, he calls himself the Jolly Heretic, he's on YouTube, he is um, a professor who has been kind of ostracized from the scientific community for exploring things about race, about IQ, about right. gender, um, and he, he, he really doesn't care about what your opinion is of the, of the findings of the studies that he does, he really is just, he's, he fetishizes the truth. That's all he cares about, and so he's willing to have his reputation sort of slandered so that he can talk about the things that he's he's interested in. And I found his his work very funny um, and very interesting, so I would check out him. Um, there is a gentleman who has a channel called Blackpilled. Uh, Devin Stack that. is his okay. name he primarily does propaganda analysis so he takes um you know old hollywood movies as well as new movies and tv shows and he does these very intricate breakdowns of um the sort of social engineering and social programming that goes into propaganda and relates it to what we're experiencing today in modern life and it's I mean his exposés are some of the best on YouTube in my opinion. He's got like well over I think he's got 200,000 subscribers right now. He's a big account but he's a shadow banned. So you won't bump into him. Oh. He's not going to be recommended to you if you're watching Stephen Crowder, Crowder and Ben Shapiro.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> he's wow. more he's more edgy. Um uh, who else is really good? I mean, I personally, I like to watch a lot of women lately because I'm doing my Girl Talk series. If there are any ladies watching who are like, you know, right wing or you're a mom or you're into traditional femininity, uh, Brave the World is an excellent YouTube channel. Um, Lacey Lynn is a traditional um, Christian woman who's homeschooling, does lots of uh, videos about that. Um, am I, for- I feel like I'm forgetting someone really important. Let me
0: prod you a little bit. Has Owen Benjamin lost his freaking mind, or did he just get to a point where he thought, screw everyone, I'm going to speak what I think is truth, and I'm going to scream it, because I like him. I thought he was hilarious. I love Owen Benjamin. Before he he started just going anti-Jew everything with the wizardry and stuff like that, I'm like, Like, I love his wife. I saw you you called her out the other day as to invite yes. her on the show, Amy. I just I
1: he got back I, to me as well about that and awesome. I, Yeah, and it it's probably not going to happen. He has a very protective Feeling towards his wife, which yeah. I completely understand. He did a video he from the bedroom yesterday.
0: Protective,
1: <laughs> but she is just an angel, well, isn't she? I his see. wife is just a sweetheart.
0: I see that there's um, a, if there's a guy that can has that much courage to stand up. He has a solid foundation with his relationship. Like you, oh absolutely. You, know, you can you know there's a really strong woman behind a man that yeah. will stand like that and see some of the. I mean, lately, some of the stuff he's coming out with him. I'm still watching him less than I used to, but I'm just wondering: Have you lost? But he quit drinking. I think he was, you know,
1: he, he quit drinking because absolutely, he was getting drunk really on the respect.
0: podcast a little bit, you know. And um, yeah, I just I'm hesitant.
1: Want... I'm hesitant to um, entertain the people who say that he's crazy. I think crazy calling someone crazy is dismissive. Mm. You know, you, you don't know what a person is going through behind the scenes. Um, imagine, imagine, you know, you are like he was like just a normie regular guy was you know you know at the top of his game a like maybe like B list celebrity in Hollywood mm-hmm. and because he stood up for um children which is what he has been consistently doing is is he says you know a, a child can't be trans um he was dropped from his agency which is CAA right. the same company which represents Jordan Peterson right now and he lost everything right um he has I mean, he has I mean, if, I. I it, you can say that, but it's so difficult to try and understand what that will do to someone psychologically, mm, you know, amen. and I think that there are there, like, I think he's been hurt. He's been deeply hurt by this world, this cruel, evil world. Um, and, you know, he has a, an immense amount of responsibility and he has an immense amount of kind. He, he takes that responsibility on, you know, he feels the weight of trying to protect his family so deeply. He's a very emotional person, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. He just is, he just feels deeply. And so, yeah, I think to, you know, a regular person um, who, you know, can sit in the comfort, comfort of their ho- own home, feel safe, feel secure, go to work, you know, Monday to Friday. Yeah, he might look a little erratic, but okay. he's, not, he's not crazy, he, 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 actually says more true things than majority of the people out there. And he is funny. You know, wow. I think he's really funny because he's willing to say whatever comes into his head. You know, you, you can say whatever you will and have a pin, have an opinion about Owen Benjamin, um, but you can't deny that he's genuine
0: oh no absolutely right. he is authentic as it comes and there's uh, i've got a yeah. lot of room for people like that and i can imma- i can imagine sitting down with them you know over what would have been a beer you know and just mm-hmm. and just having the time ton- like it'd be like sitting i don't i'm not comparing the two but i'd love to have a beer with alex jones I think he's wildly entertaining (laughs) and intelligent, (laughs) and just his brain is like it's. It's I don't know how it fits in his head, and yeah, he is a little bit on the on the extremes on some of the stuff. They're turning the frogs gay. I know they always use that as a you know uh, uh, chem trails and all that kind of stuff. I think he'd be great to sit down and have a conversation with. And yes, he is triggering for some people. You know. I was with a couple of my Green Party friends a couple of years ago. In '06, I marched in the Pride Parade. Now they're talking about straight Pride Parade, and the left is melting down. I am ha- <laughs> I'm happy I'm heterosexual. I love my woman. I mean, there's nothing – there should be nothing – Wrong with saying that. Anyways, I, I, on the trans thing, I honestly verbalized to these girls, friends of mine, for many years of being in the Green Party. They're not green anymore. Lots of people come and go for mm-hmm. the Green Party. That I felt that ha- forcing an eight-year-old into into transition therapy with and ruining their natural. Puberty was child mm-hmm. abuse. I, I like. Yeah, I still feel is. like that. You can't get a tattoo until you're 16, but you can. You can change your
1: part. Like I just. You can sterilize yourself. Yeah,
0: and they told. They were like, I said as child abuse. They're like easy, Fannin, easy. Like, don't lose your mind. I still feel that way, and I wonder how these tolerant lefties can get behind something that seems so dangerous, especially when you look at the the rate of desisting. Like, uh, mm-hmm. many of these people grow out of this. And, yes. you know, we've all heard the horror stories. I don't really use the extreme stories all the time of the idea that, you know, your kid comes up to you while he's five or seven years old and says, I want to be a girl. And that if you don't take them immediately to a psychiatrist or to a th- to, to a, a, a specialist that trains in, in transition, that you could lose your child? that mm-hmm. That's child abuse for not playing because mm-hmm. they want to put a dress on one day? Like, mm-hmm. I just... I can't, I can't see how we can move this conversation forward when, you know, no uterus, no opinion. Well, you don't, like, no, I wouldn't wish that on you.
1: You can't. These, these ideas have become mainstream. They've become a law in some countries, especially like Canada. And for people like myself, um, who is moving towards family life, the only option that I feel I have personally is to homeschool my children, And to network with Christian people who are of like mind and have a very small network of people and just, you know, back away slowly from the decline, you know, because the way the left is manipulating society has a genuine momentum behind it because it's backed by the corporations, right? You're not going to stop that with, with reasonable discussions on the internet. Try how we might. We can we can we can do it till the wheels fall off, mm-hmm. and they will and they will fall off. Um, and I don't think that we should stop, you know, until all of our all of our options are taken from us. But if you're talking about you know the real culture war, you know that we, we use that word the culture war. Mm-hmm. Unless you're willing to um, get involved in local politics, you know it's we're, we have a trajectory. And we're moving towards it swiftly so if you don't like where this is heading find a place that's rural get out of the city plant some potatoes get some chickens go to church and hope for the best that's i mean that's 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 what i'm doing anyway
0: <laughs> awesome now um you i i I think I heard you say trad con. The other is that a derogatory way of saying trad traditional com, conservative. I
1: think it is used as a okay. I was going to as a derogatory term. But open, I also think tradition. there might be some people who self-identify as that. Okay. Traditionally conservative. Okay. But I think there might be like some like you know the edgy anons on Twitter. They're like oh you know trad cons lol, they're idiots or whatever. You know I think it, it it has dual meaning a little bit depending on who you're talking to.
0: So. What do you see as a threat to our traditional Western values? I, I look at, um, I feel like, you know, Nietzsche was kind of right. Yeah, God is dead. We killed him. And mm. the blood's on our hands, and now we're going to pay for it. Now, I'm not saying that mm. everyone needs to be Christian. I'm seeing as a, you know, a, a, a fundamental foundation of Western society. It, it was always in some sort of God. And, yeah. and as we move away from that, um, also for me, and I talked to Zuby a little bit about this, this issue of fatherlessness. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Bly has a beautiful video that's old. Uh, it's called the Ga- A Gathering of Men. Uh, I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever seen it, but I, I think you'd enjoy watching it. And he talks about, you know, we took the man out of the field where he stood behind, uh, beside his son, and his son got this, this food, this uh, through osmosis from his father just being next to him. He Mm -hmm. does uh, mentoring. And then you take the man and you put him in the factory, and he comes home with short patience, tired and edgy, and he's not interacting with his boy like he should be. And now we've taken women out of the – put women in the workforce. I don't think we've fully seen the impact of that. But, you know, from a traditional point of view, and, uh, you know, I like to think I'm traditional, but when it comes to, you know, God and and family, I think those are, you know – what held the glue that held society together especially Mm -hmm. mother and father in the same house and now Mm -hmm. we're seeing a rate of you you know fatherlessness in the states and the black communities upwards of 80 percent well who do you think is going to mentor them so they're being mentored by gangs rather than the elders Mm -hmm. good people that care about them you know uh, i wonder about your thoughts on the impact of of that
1: um well it's it's devastating, the effect that, that, you know, rampant sort of atheism and this kind of new age woo-woo kind of, um, what's it called? Um, it's like a mysticism, you know, that you get among the hippie types and the yoga teachers and, you know, the pot smokers and this kind of a thing. You know, like this is, this is sort of what's replacing politics and that is what's replacing, you know, what traditional religion, um, you know, the role that that held, I think, in society for a really long time. Um, And I'm not super hopeful about where we're headed um, with regard to that, but I do, based on what I observe on the internet, and now the internet can never really be a perfect litmus test for what's happening in the real world, because there are tons and tons of people that, you know, are just... Living their lives, they're not aware of what's going on in alt media or anything. But there is this kind of shift back towards God, and I made a video about this called "The God Pill," um, which um, is the antidote to the Black Pill.
0: What's the Black <laughs> Pill again?
1: The Black Black Pill means that you're, you're you have a sense of hopelessness. So you take the red pill, you see what is happening in the world,
0: right? (laughs) Then you want to kill yourself
1: because of that. You get black pilled, which means that you're just like nihilistic, like what is happening? It's over, right? And so the antidote to this nihilistic hopelessness that many of us feel after we've woken up to the state of our societies is God. And this is a shift that's happening among the youth right now. You see tons and tons of young men who are converting to Catholicism. Um, and now I'm not personally a Catholic myself, I'm an Anglican, but um, I think that there is a kind of movement by the church um, for people who are um, fed up with this kind of meaninglessness in their lives. And the thing is, I, I don't go to church just because it's good for me, even though it is good for me. I go to church because I believe in God and I believe the good guys win in the end. And so I think that there will be a drawback to the church in God's time. I think it's a part of God's plan to you know have the like cuz there is a play to existence, you know. And I think that in order to really establish the meaning of the church and how valuable it is to us as a society and as individuals, we need to be reminded of what happens when we lose touch with that. You know? And so the world the world is the devil's playground. Um, and it maybe will be for another couple hundred years we don't know right mm-hmm. Th- this this war between good and evil between traditionalism and modernism has been going on for a very long time and it will probably outlive all of us um, but it's important that we do our part we don't give up hope um we we you know trust our gut because God speaks to us all the time you know when you have a feeling that something just isn't right in your belly
2: yeah. um,
1: you should trust that feeling and um I'm hopeful that, even if I don't see a shift back to the church, and even if I don't see the kind of society that I wish we had, um, you know, in my lifetime, that that's what's going to happen in the end. Mm-hmm. So.
0: I appreciate your thoughts on, uh, seeing as though you're traditional, how do you, I appreciate your thoughts on how you measure men and women. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. what? what is the, <laughs> uh, especially men, uh, what well, is the measure of a good man? Incorrect.
1: Sorry? Um, opinions when it comes to gender what's that <laughs> I have very politically incorrect opinions when okay. it comes to gender All
0: right.
1: um, I don't think that my opinions are without nuance like I, I accept that some people will not fit into the mold but um, based on the studies that I have seen men are uh, they on average right men are more intelligent than women there is also a larger degree of variety um, in IQ among men than in women so you have men that some men will have like 160 IQ right and then some men have really 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 low IQs like like you know, 60 or like 80 or something you know mm-hmm. and there's a wide range of variety of more people in in the middle part right and their average is higher than the average of women's and then they have this gene these a lot of geniuses right mm-hmm. um, and if the feminist would have you believe that there are no female geniuses because of
2: oh, patriarchy. Patriarchy.
1: right <laughs> No, that is no. That's not true. It's a it's a biology thing, right? Yeah, it's a drive. Um, women, thing. on average, yeah. tend to not have as much variation on the ends of the bell curve, right? And we're more we're more huddled towards the middle, mm-hmm. and our average is lower than men, right? So, there's that biological difference between men and women, which, I mean, when you're talking about brains and intelligence, there is. A lot of debate going on, you know, even in the scientific community about whether these things can be trusted and whether or not IQ is a valid form of measurement for you know, um, intelligence and this kind of stuff. But I do think that more so, um, our bodies, our physicality is just obviously different, right? <laughs> our endocrine systems are different. Everything about us, in terms of how we think, our strength abilities, our hormone levels, our reproductive. Uh, Roles—they're different, right? We are different, and the men have an, ad- an advantage. They tend to be smarter. They tend to be stronger. They don't have to carry babies inside their bodies for nine nine months and give birth to them, which can be very traumatic. And take
0: care of them um, for 15 years.
1: And feed it exactly. Mm. Like, yeah, it's 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 not fair, ladies. Okay. like I know it seems it seems like, you know, God has it out for us and he's (laughs) picking on us and we got the short end of the stick. But it is what it is. (laughs) Accept your role with grace and dignity. Do it with your head held high. You know, there's there's no shame in carrying burden. It's what makes women so so strong and so emotionally open and available. Um, We have our own strengths right? You know, we are deeply empathetic creatures. Um, We're deeply intuitive creatures. We're deeply social creatures. Um, We're deeply nurturing creatures, all things that men don't really have as much skill in. Mm -hmm. And if you want to play the game of what's, you know, the more important area of expertise, that's just relevant to me. You know, I Mm -hmm. think we are complementary. Absolutely. um, In many ways. And the differences we should accept and just get over get over it yeah it sucks you know, if you don't want to have a baby there are immense amount of options
0: you know I,
1: modern I'm glad you said you that you don't have to do that gestational work if you don't yeah
0: want to. but i mean women are designed to have babies and they think like they were designed to have babies men uh, i think are just you know i think being in a in a loyal committed relationship I think men were designed to impregnate everyone around them. You know, I think it's, it, it's a, you know, almost a construct of society that, oh, this is how we do. I don't think we're like geese. You mate once you, and you're together forever. You're just locked in this happy matrimony. It takes a lot yeah. of work to be loyal to your woman, to, to not yes. think, oh, well, down to this green grass over there. I didn't see that before. So uh, I'm I just interested in your, your idea of measurement. The character like w- what do you look for and men and women like what do you put highest on the list is integrity obviously communication mm. I don't know where would you when you're uh, when like you're... if
1: I was going to be like talking about like a, a mate or a friend yeah first so... that
0: and then also on the other side for women yeah
1: okay so if um if I'm looking for a mate personally because I want a traditional setup where I can be a mom because I want that, you know, shock, shock, horror. I want to be a mom. (laughs) Um, I want to be a stay at home mom. I want to be um, a homeschooling mom. So I need a man who is a provider who wants to provide, who's not going to feel resentment because he is providing for me. I want a man who takes uh, pride in that ability to look after his wife and his children and let her fulfill the domestic role to the best of her ability. Um, That's number one. That's before looks. That's before intelligence. That's before anything. You know, wanting the same things in life, whatever they happen to be, is kind of essential. Um, if you're, if you want a harmonious relationship, if you don't want a family life, right. then you know, make sure you're you're with a guy who also doesn't want family life, right? right? right. So there needs to be that kind of uh, future oriented um, analysis. Do you want the same things? Can you m- move forward? hand in hand towards the things that you both want um, also I think um, um, this is something that you really only find out about a man with time but um, you know, aggression and testosterone levels um, can predict whether or not someone is going to be a violent individual or not right and so you want to know how a man fights right um, does he play fair
2: mm.
1: is he going to get violent is he willing to listen to you Um, is he going to, um, you know, dismiss everything that you're saying because you're just a woman, right? There's this, there's this stereotype, I think that right wing and masculine men, um, that they, they hate women and they think they're all stupid and they just don't listen to them. It's not true. Um, there's a great degree of respect and you see that, you see that like very easily when you watch, um, like Owen Benjamin interact with his wife, he honors her, right? So you want a man who's going to honor you. Um, and accept his role as the head of the household. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me personally, he has to be a Christian. Um, you mm-hmm. can tell a lot about a person whether or not they're gonna go to church with you. And um, for me, it's like it's like this safety net because it's not like he would just be betraying me if he were to cheat on me or to lie to me or to steal from me or to hurt me. He would be betraying his God, which is far deeper punishment. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know to to both to both of you be in the relationship and to be honoring each other and to be honoring God simultaneously generally provides for a very harmonious and happy relationship. Um, I think for men, um, if you're looking for a woman who you want to be your wife, um, shyness can be a good indicator of, um, you know, not being the kind of girl who engages in promisc- promiscuous sexual relations with like lots and lots of men you know like a girl who sleeps with you on the first date like sorry to let you know but she's if she sleeps with you on the first date she has done it before and she, she you know she probably will do it again so if you want if you want a girl who um is you know has self-respect carries herself with dignity mm-hmm. how she interacts with you will give her a lot of information give you a lot of information about how she interacts with with other men and has interacted with other men. And it's kind of, it's kind of similar. Like, is she going to respect you? Is she going to honor you and, and um, appeal to your authority in the household? You know, mm. or is she going to be bossing you around all of the time and expecting like this, everything equal, always equal. Well, you know, mm. I, I did this chore, this chore, this chore, and you only did this chore and this chore, you know, keeping tabs. This is a very womanly thing that women do. Mm. it's not, it's not, you know, women and feminists have this sort of competitive feeling, I think, between themselves and their men. Um, and this can translate into uh, the, re- the relationship. Men don't want um, a woman who's going to compete with you, right? They want a man who's going to compliment you. Um, so also, like, does she cook? Is she one of these women who's like, I don't cook? <laughs> and then thinks, thinks that's like a personality trait yeah yeah like, it's like i'm always like, no. late well
0: not with me or not <laughs> yeah.
1: um my my battery's quite low do you want to keep talking for a bit longer because i might just plug my my computer in just in case
0: uh, uh yeah we can wrap up how much you got
1: uh, i think yeah i need i need to plug it in it says it's going okay. to go to sleep if i don't plug it in let me just okay. grab my no problem my charger one okay. second okay no
0: thank you sorry about no that problem. i should have plugged it in <laughs> oh, good. No problem. cc Buckle. hey um how uh, what lengths do you go to to protect I, I know you i notice you don't use your name very often yeah your first name. yeah well I, I understand your last name like um yeah for obvious reasons um i uh, my accounts have always been you know um when i had a show and stuff like that and you know a stage name is not something i, I was interested in and yeah. for heaven's <laughs> sakes drop the idea of rebranding don't rename yourself i'll never be able to no. find you a cc bucko no i, I entertained <laughs> i jumped in on your tweet it's months just, ago and you're uh, thinking about rebranding i'm like don't never never <laughs> rebrand it's a bad idea you've done so much work <laughs> to brand yourself the way you have
1: stick with it you're right <laughs> you're right it's just it, it's it's um Like I guess the thing is, when I started this, I never expected to be able to build a following. I was just doing it because I wanted to find people who were like me, who were going through what I was going through at the time. And I felt like I was in a state of critical condition, right? Because I was going through this weird political shift. Um, And so I I didn't name my YouTube channel something for myself because I didn't even really understand how YouTube worked. I named my channel as if it was like, MSM, you know what I mean? I was like, this is the critical condition channel. And then people started to call me critical condition and it's a real mouthful, right? I'm just like, oh no. You're just so CC to me. are calling me critical condition. And then I have to use CC Bucko as the alternative. And CC Bucko is just like, has this Peterson anchor to it, which annoys me. And it's yeah. just like, <laughs> sometimes it gets to me because I don't like it. And maybe someday I will just name docs myself and just be like, change my at and my channel name and my Twitter account to my real name. Uh, I might just do that like I, I've considered it a couple times, but I'm holding off to see you know if my channels will even be around for much longer. Um, but I think you're right. I think a rebrand would be unwise and kind of naive because people people don't really care at the end of the day what your account is. it's just an identifier right Yeah
0: a little bit more about you where do you find yourself on the big five scale?
1: Uh I am like ninety eight percent um extroverted. Mm-hmm, me too. Um I am like I'm in the high nineties on most of them. I have like this really sort of extreme result in my personal so I'm very, very open minded, very, very extroverted, very, very high in compassion. Um I'm I'm moderately high in neuroticism.
2: Oh, you are? Okay. I have
1: yeah, yeah, um, that's just like being a woman. Like. Yeah, I,
0: so yeah, but don't say that in public. That'll get and you know, people usually hear that as oh, you're calling me neurotic. No, neuroticism is a you know a mental character trait is different than being. These
1: people take themselves. Pardon. Yeah, people take themselves too seriously. Mm. People take themselves too seriously. Really, I mean, like if you can't laugh at yourself. Like you're just missing out on like one of the greatest joys of existence. I feel like, um, but I'm very high in, I'm high in, um, uh, neuroticism because I'm high in withdrawal. I'm low in volatility, which is a predictor of like, you know, aggression and stuff, but I'm, I'm high in withdrawal, which means that if I'm hurt emotionally or if something happens to me, which affects my neuroticism, it takes me longer than the average person to recover. Right. It takes me a little bit longer. So that makes me a little more neurotic and I tend to overthink things a little bit. I'm also, um, what was the, th- I think there was a couple different degrees of openness too, right. um, cause there's, it's not just openness, it's openness to ideas and it's openness to experience. Right and I'm very open in both realms. Um, and that's like obvious, you know, I'm, I'm obviously open to ideas because that's what I like to talk about on the internet. Mm -hmm. And in terms of experience, you know, I've lived in, this is the fourth country, including Canada that I've lived in, Mm -hmm. in my life. Um, I've, traveled all over the world. I've experienced all different cultures, um, for long periods of time. I love trying new things. Um, there's basically no food you could put in front of me aside from maybe like dog that I wouldn't try, you -hmm. know? So like, that's, that's kind of my personality, which my personality actually predicts liberalness. Um, I think it's really just that, um, I was raised as a Christian and as a conservative person, um, that I maybe inherited those qualities from my parents, and then the environmental influence on top of that kind of solidified it for me.
0: Conscientiousness—you the middle of the road in that, or
1: I am sixty-seven percent oh, wow. in conscientiousness. Okay, that's good. So. Yeah. Um, a little, a little bit lower than I think I would have wanted, but it's something that I've actually uh, been trying to improve, and I think that conscientiousness is something that's not so set in stone. No, right? you can
0: improve on that for sure by putting yourself into a routine, getting up every time, every day at the same time, and you know, yes, a exactly. schedule. You know,
1: exactly. And I have been working on that to try and make myself a little more conscientious.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, lowest in politeness. Hard to believe.
1: Oh, I'm very high in politeness too, <laughs> which is agreeableness. I'm very high in agreeableness.
0: Really? Yeah. yeah no, I'm like I'm both pathologically of
1: high in agreeableness.
0: Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, what's next for you? What are you up to other than the show?
1: So um, my focus right now is um, talking. So I guess talk was well, talking with women on my Girl Talk series i believe that there's a little bit of a gap in the market um i don't mean like economically i just mean the content's not out there um that's kind of like for right-wing women by right-wing women you know because the right wing tends to be a little bit of a boys club the guys are like you know e-girls like stay away e-girls what, we don't, what's the e-girl you i've been be, seeing
0: this in relation to they're just
1: being mean kind of now there are right. a lot of women actually which like genuinely do take advantage of their role sometimes in the movement, and they tend to like sort of sell out the movement for personal gain. And so the guys in the movement genuinely do have um, a justified distrust, I think. But for those of us, I think in the movement who, you know, we just want to be good role models for younger women, we want to make a case for nationalism. We want to make a case for Christianity, we want to make a case for traditionalism. And we want to do that in a feminine way. We, So I, I think that I want to kind of build this little gender segregated space, where women can talk about womanly things, we can talk about what's important to us from our perspective. And then the, you know, the guys don't have to feel like we're stepping on their toes, or, you know, getting involved in these sort of Political leadership positions, which I don't really think women tend to thrive in anyway, which I know is another shock horror uh, opinion that I have about women—they wow. don't really do great in political uh, positions of leadership. That's just my opinion, and so.
0: So we should just force them fo- there with quotas and make sure that they're represented, <laughs> because it's all about your genitalia. Come on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But we, we need more estrogen in the political sphere. Said no one ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, um, the, the idea is is sound as far as you know I used to fall into this camp if we had a little bit more compassion in politics i.e. the feminine influence then the world would be a better place but you I mean you can't force people into careers and jobs that they're just not cut out for and that's okay you know like I I don't hear the women come and say you know, there's too many women in nursing. We need to get you equal the playing field. We need more male influence than no one ever, you know? And yeah. it's kind of...
1: Well, what you don't want your government... Like, see, this is my problem, is that, like, I understand where you're coming from, and I think it comes from a place of... Uh, genuine caring and good heartedness that you want to look after people, but that's not what the government is for. That's not what politics is for. Politics is about like securing the infrastructure of your society, protecting the borders, providing for like a secure economy. You want to like build your society up in a way and have a strong moral leader so that people can look after themselves. right? Now there'll always be some people that fall through the cracks and we can provide services to help those people. No problem. But when the focus of politics becomes just about compassion and not about protection, um, I think you get this kind of tyrannical, um, matriarchal, um, almost suicidal element to the way that governance uh, occurs. And I think it undermines people's ability to uh, be responsible for themselves and look after themselves um, mm. and feel empowered by overcoming whatever struggles that they may face they may face in their lives.
0: Yeah, personal responsibility seems to be lacking more than ever nowadays. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, we talked about this earlier. Oh, I'm always late. Or, you know, there's yeah. no integrity in being late. Uh, <laughs> Zuby was late the other day for an interview, shot me a quick DM and said, bro, I'm running late. And I'm like, thank you. There's integrity yeah. in that. I really appreciate because otherwise, I'm yeah. sitting here thinking I'm disrespected. What's or, going like, on? Yeah, what's going on? So <laughs> I have a lot of time for that. Um, uh, what uh, What do you find yourself? I hate the word triggered, but what do you? What are some of the issues or some of the the points of view that you look at on social media and you just go, "Oh my!" Like you, uh, you can't even um, make time for.
1: So the things which trigger me are things that are like. Um, you know, all white people are racist mm-hmm. or that, um, you know, European people should be ashamed of their ancestors or that it's no big deal if uh, we import so many people that we become a minority in our own nation. Um, children being given hormones, like we discussed earlier, I think is one of probably my biggest triggers uh, because I just feel this kind of maternal need to protect the children who I feel like are being genuinely abused and sold a lie, and it's irreversible what's happening to them. Um, I think those are those are like the top four things, you know, um, like being a Newfoundlander. I have a very strong sense of um, like national identity and ethnic identity, which is distinct. To, it's like it's it belongs to me. It belongs to my family and um, the people who are from Newfoundland and of Newfoundland. I don't think anyone just anyone can be a Newfoundlander. You know, we are distinct people. And I think that it would be a, a, a big shame if newfoundland became downtown toronto i'm sorry to say i think downtown toronto has its place in the world no one's trying to take downtown toronto away from anyone but we don't want the whole world to look like downtown toronto you know and i think that um for the people out there who say you know uh, you know anyone can be swedish anyone can be british anyone can be german i just think it's not true and i think it's it's it undermines the ethnic identities of European people. And I hate that. It makes me really upset when I hear that. Because I would I wouldn't I wouldn't say that like, you know, it's it would be awesome if a bunch of foreigners went into South Korea, for example, and overwhelmed that population and changed the culture forever. That would be devastating loss to the world to lose that distinct culture. Why can't we afford that same compassion to European people? Why does why is Europe the only place on earth that has to endure multiculturalism and the death of their you know original ways of life because we wouldn't push it on any other place the left would never push it on africa or south america or asia but it does seem to be okay to do it when it comes to europe and that really upsets me because it's just like a blatant contradiction Mm -hmm.
0: what do you take the most guff for out there on social media when you take a stand on something what do you get the most blowback from
1: um i troll a lot with thanks um, for saying
0: that i just (laughs) i stepped into the troll pool you know i've been getting better at it because there's a there's a a real technique to trolling and if if you don't know what trolling means i guess that's just you make uh, a statement that's designed to provoke a reaction a predictable reaction from the other side and i kind of troll not that she's i'm not trolling her personally but aoc i find to be Mm -hmm. uh a caricature, um, more than anything. And, you know, uh, there's a space for everyone in politics, but uh, this leftist madness has got me crazy. So I trolled her the other day and it happened to be on the Jon Stewart video that she quote tweeted. And I just, and this is not original. I thought it was original at one point, but I had to go back into Twitter and search the term, this Mm -hmm. Alexandria occasionally coherent thing. (laughs) And that's all I said. Tell us, please tell us more and I, I put the, that name down and spelled occasionally wrong with two S's. Wow, <laughs> I think my I think my ratio's still okay because I've got two hundred and ten likes versus a hundred and fifty or sixty hate comments on you know take the yeah. Canadian flag out of your shut up. You know, uh, this was this was this is why nobody wants to F you. Uh, d- d- don't let your mother know you're an incel like it's just and I'm proud of myself because, you know, it's it hurts a little bit more when my neighbor, the guy I like, goes on my Twitter account and likes a post that says you're a complete idiot because because I like yeah. my neighbor. But these people, I have no idea who they are. I'm like, ooh, and the interaction, like I don't have a channel even close to to yours either There's on YouTube or Twitter. There's great honor in
1: being ratioed, um, <laughs> yes. to be honest. You know, because you, like I, I know what you mean, like how it, it, you kind of get this sense of relief if more people support what you say than mm-hmm. you get a reaction out of. But if you're <laughs> genuinely trolling and you genuinely don't give a hoot you know, what happens and you're just like planting this seed and then backing away from the chaos, you want to be ratioed because if you get ratioed, that means that you've you upset you. tons and tons and tons and tons of people. I like to just like drop a little, um, <laughs> all, uh, women, women are property and then mute the conversation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all women should submit to their husbands and then I mute did the conversation and then come both back in like 12 tweets.
0: hours. Very, <laughs> I did appreciate both those tweets very much.
1: It, <laughs> and
0: it's amazing because as you're getting ratioed uh I've never had and again I, my channel and my twitter account are near the size of yours and I know there's much bigger ones than yours and uh, stuff out yeah. there but uh at, for the first time my you know they're like don't at me but now I get it because for almost well a good 48 hours it didn't stop every time yeah. I lo- it was 20 notifications 20 notifications that's why i right? mute yeah oh, cuz
1: you- it can be a little bit like I, I don't really care what you have to say. <laughs> I just wanted to have some fun. But then
0: with this <laughs> this simple trolling and having fun, I the, I've never had so many people come and check out my profile. I know they're yes. coming you know the profile clicks are like I mean through I've never seen anything like it on my channel. Like yeah. usually you get you know 1%. This was like
1: That's why trolling pays. It brings awareness to you because there were 250 people. I'd say that probably between... 30 and 40% of the people that liked your tweet were probably people that were new to your account. And then maybe 20% of those people may have followed you as a result. So it's worth it, like it actually, in terms mm-hmm. of like the economics of follows, yeah. it's worth it to like die on a hill for a good troll. Yeah, I
0: very rarely get that. And I actually, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was considering maybe they deleted that uh, anal- from the analytics because I very rarely ever see anyone that followed me from this tweet. You know, or follow okay. you from this okay. reply, I think would work as well. Um, mm. But you're, you're right. There's ways to go. You can like everyone that you know, or add everyone that liked your post. And I, I'm fascinated yes. by social media. And I'm honestly, uh, you know, I've given up on Facebook. I think it's past even my Facebook. Sorry. Um, it's just it's cheap views. People are cut in and out. You get one view for somebody that stayed on six seconds. It's not a real good measurement. And I yeah. like the analytics on YouTube. Uh, I've grown the YouTube channel over the last. Maybe six or eight months, you know, I went from no followers or 50 followers to what I've got now is just over 100. And somebody said to me, hey, you know how many accounts out there have no followers? 100 is a real, it's a milestone. I'm like, Don't, who are yeah. you kidding, right? So, but yeah. I'm fascinated by how you build it. Uh, I committed aside a couple, two, uh, about two years ago. <laughs> I had 20, I was following 2,800 people. My feed was a, a absolute mess. And then I found this uh, Google Chrome extension that said it would it would take everyone that I was following in and reduce them to zero and oh, I, clicked, excellent. I clicked on it it worked I came back from my shower I was following no one. The problem was I lost 800 followers over the next few months so now but I'm fascinated to, oh. to, you know how you keep them how you get them and hey, you know, uh, I'm a realtor. I should probably do m- more real estate and less interviews uh, so I can, you know, keep the show going and whatnot. Um, but I'm fascinated by how you build it. I know Instagram's given up on that as well. You but have I'm to pick fast- an audience. Yeah. You have
1: to pick an audience and you have to speak to that audience. You have to make make content for the audience you want, not the hmm. audience you have.
0: Interesting. And just on the way out, do you have any other tips on social media or YouTube or anything like that on, yeah. on creating um, followers?
1: So um, so for me, networking has been huge, now, you know, how, and how doing do you, inter- interviews, How you does the networking
0: you know? look outside of interviews and, and like showing up to business after five at the chamber or something like that? Say, hey, um, so you
1: can you can schedule tweets. So like, I mean, if you looked at my feed, it would look like I was on Twitter all day, oh. every day. But, okay. but the, I'm not actually online all of the time. Um, I schedule tweets so that, you know, there is a constant kind of bump of of information that's coming from my account onto my followers feed. And so, um, you know, I will spend a certain amount of time on Twitter then, you know, responding to people who need responding to uh, blocking people who need to be blocked because I love the block function. I think do, block eh? Function. It's I mean, one of my favorite functions of Twitter, to be honest. Oh, I take so um, much
0: pride, and I'm not going to block you. I'm going to make you block me, because <laughs> I'm a bigger man.
1: Is, I'm afraid that I'm going to get my account suspended for something stupid all the time because I do troll. So if anyone gives me the wrong impression, like they're kind of a jerk, or maybe they're a liberal who you know is like kind, trying to be a reporter, because there are a lot of accounts out there that just like they go on Twitter to report people that they disagree with. I just block as a uh, security kind of um thing and then also like people who are just like um not they're just being rude and they're not doing it in a funny way like i'm okay if you make fun of me and it's funny like i'll even like it sometimes i'll even retweet it yeah. but um if you're just like being a jerk and you're being rude and you just seem like a nasty person that's it you're blocked like it's a privilege to view my content my content is excellent in my opinion i i think i have good tweets and if you're going to be disrespectful then i'll just block you it's as simple as that so i think um there's that but also keep it keep keep your your news feed fresh so if you don't want to spend all day on um twitter schedule some like write up a bunch of tweets that you think are good put them in your drafts and then you can use um a an app to schedule them to go out at a certain time so that you're use... not online all of the time and then you can just go back and check them and respond however is necessary do you
0: find that you're getting uh um if you use hootsuite or an api that schedules tweets does it reduce your impact because somebody told me oh dude you have to organically be on the twitter platform tweet from twitter because if you use hootsuite the the social media guys know that and they de-rank your posts never experienced i haven't
1: that? i haven't experienced that personally okay. um it could be true though mm-hmm. like it depends it depends on what you're used to in terms of interaction mm-hmm. sometimes it's just like sometimes your tweet just doesn't it land just, it's
0: like, just it's no good yeah and yeah it just, like and the hurt. other
1: thing is like um like, there's a funny tweet that I saw, like, not that long ago, and someone was like, if you barf out 10 tweets about the same topic, eventually one of them will stick. <laughs> and it's true, you know what I mean? Like, try try being ironic, you know, with a post. Like, instead of just being like, this is bothering me, what an outrage, you know, like, there's tons of that on, mm. on Twitter. I like to, like, get a, get a nice image, you know, and then... Use the image to like create um, like a sort of scene and then I'll write in the Twitter thing um, a dialogue between the two people in the image. Right. And I'll have it be very ironic or very sarcastic. Right. And just use a bit of satire. People like that kind of stuff. If you have good images along with something that's like, you know, quirky and intelligent and and funny, um, that tends to do very well. People are on Twitter to be entertained. They're not there to be finger wagged at mm. right so keep it light keep it funny try it, don't lose your sense of humor like mm-hmm. people don't people don't go on social media to like um well, I guess some people go on social media to learn things right it's good to spread information that's um useful to you but it can be a dark place social media mm. and i think that some of the accounts that are the best that i like to follow are ones that keep their sense of humor and they entertain me and they they make me think differently about uh, things that, you know, everyone might be talking about, but they all have the same take, you know?
0: Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time. I know I've said that already. Uh, CC Bucko mm-hmm. is my guest follower on Twitter, searcher on YouTube. And just on the way out, anything that you'd like to say as far as recruiting women to your show what are you looking yeah. for? Uh, I know that uh, if I choose to identify as a woman tomorrow like Zuby did with the deadlift, I'm, I probably won't get picked up on your show. I'd love to be on your show. <laughs> maybe maybe your show goes away from girl talk. No, uh, we're, we're turfs. on, on the show. <laughs> Sir, speaking of TERFs, uh, Megan Murphy, I, I don't know. She's, I, I interviewed her uh, about a year ago, I think, and I, I've been trying to stay up with what she's up to, but she's the first one that said turf I had no idea what a turf was but um, she certainly made a splash there and seems to continue to ride it I see that she was overseas speaking uh, yep. the other day. Uh, I'm entertained by her. She's a, a lefty, but she's different. And I appreciate her yeah. take on some of her stuff.
1: I joke all the time that if I had to be a feminist, I would be a turf. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't.
0: You, am I right you, that you don't? See, I always identified as a feminist, but now I think it's much, much less needed. I, I used to think that- Oh, feminism know,
1: this... has done serious damage to women mm-hmm. and to society. Mm-hmm. No, feminism is bad okay like i i'm sick of this like you know oh feminism is good um as long as it's just about a uh, work equality or just about um the, the vote no it's not good all of it and like mm. that's like another hour conversation so i don't know if you yeah. want to get into that no but no like...
0: i want to respect your time i know it's late over there so i really appreciate your time <laughs> and um Uh, That's something
1: that we talk about on my um, Girl Talk series quite a bit. um, How, you know, the family unit, um, like women, women got to vote when their husbands would vote because they would vote as a family. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, that's how women should vote. So women, the women who um, get a vote are the ones who have the right morals and the right Uh, choose the right lifestyle in that they become mothers and wives. Um, And obviously, like if if you have a workforce, right, and then there's a wage for that workforce and then you double the workforce, what happens to wages? They go down. Right. So the only people that really benefited from women entering the workforce, in my personal opinion, is the corporations and the employers and the elite that got to drive down wages for everyone and make it so that, you know, a, a single family can't survive on one income anymore right Mm -hmm. so that's we talk about these sorts of things um, all the time on my Girl Talk series from the female perspective if you're a Canadian woman or a Christian woman or just a feminine woman and you're sick of the uh, mainstream you know pop feminism perspective and you just want some fresh ideas um, check out my Girl Talk series because I interview not just right wing women but sometimes um, you know centrist women and um, women who wouldn't necessarily consider themselves nationalists. Some women do consider themselves nationalists. I think I have a nice variety of That's women. That's a
0: tough one to broach these days, the nationalist, uh, You know, the mm-hmm. I know Faith Goldie comes out with this quite a lot. I know she takes a yeah. lot of heat for saying, you know what, my culture is sure important does. to me. And uh, her Christian views and all that. And, and this idea that, you know. I, I once had a lefty, an NDP candidate uh, here who's now a city councillor, uh, he just moved to make uh, tampons free in city uh, uh, facilities, um, he, <laughs> a, and there was a, an incidence where the pro-life people were on the corner, I don't know if you've seen this, but in my community, the pro-lifers come out and they carry these graphic images of aborted babies. Yeah, and, I don't like that. And, and uh, you know, I don't like that either, it makes me, you know... Uh, it, it just destroys me inside um, yeah. even though uh, i'm kind of on their side abortion's a really bad thing and it's taken way too lightly um mm. so but the the there was an incident a man approached these people and kicked over like kicked their signs and booted and broke all their signs up well that's assault right yeah. so i'm in it favor for property too i stand for free speech far more mm. than i stand for anything else so if these guys want to bring their signs out they have all the right to do that. Do I agree with it? It's probably not the tactic I would take. And I spoke out, and my now counselor told me that if I if I put – I said, oh, so free speech over assault for me because, mm. you know, I, I don't think he should have assaulted. That's a crime. They weren't committing a crime, and he labeled me a woman hater because <laughs> – because, because of, <laughs> cause I'm not because I'm not fond of abortion, and I'm like, he, he, like, this is where the it always breaks down for me. You know, like you can't
1: think about how twisted that is. That's so twisted, though. Mm-hmm. Like, think about the logic of that: that you have to support um, women's like the the business enterprise of wi- of women having abortions. Um, to be in support of women. That's just the most like demonic thing Mm. in the entire world. Like it's not the thing. The thing about abortion is that, um, I do, th- like, I think both sides kind of get some things right and some things wrong. Yeah, there are you extreme
0: know? arguments on both sides are ridiculous. I would there really are.
1: That. And there are some circumstances where I think that an, an early term abortion, which is not paid for by the government, I think women should be responsible for paying for their own abortions. Um, I also think, um, like, early in the term, um, like you know, uh, first term abortion would be the, would be another regulation. I think um, you know I think it is fair to call it uh, a form of health care. You know, if the child is going to have severe disabilities, it's going to be living and suffering for its entire life, right? Mm. Some women are saints, and they say, I'm willing to make that child's life as you know comfortable as possible for as long as possible. I'm taking that burden on. You know, Let them do that. But if there are women out there who, who believe that um, bringing a child into this world uh, so they can look after it while it's living and suffering is not the best option for their family, they should be able to take that option, I think, as long as they're responsible about it and they do it early in the term and they pay for it themselves. Mm. Um, there's also the element of like ectopic pregnancies, which are life-threatening. Um, these, uh, these pregnancies, wh- they, they get sort of stuck in the fallopian tube. Yeah. And if the baby develops there, the woman can be made infertile. This is, that, that's a healthcare issue, right? And the, the procedure is very similar to an abortion um, when it's not ectopic, when they remove that. Also, like women, well, one in five pregnancies end in, in miscarriage. And the procedure that we call abortion a DNC is technically the same procedure for evacuating a miscarriage pregnancy, which the body cannot release itself. Right. Mm. So it's literally the same process, the same procedure. So there is this kind of like, there is this gray area that I think the right miss out on because they're like, it's not healthcare to kill babies. And it's like, well, that's not the art. That's not the argument Mm. that I think everyone on the left is making. There Mm. are some, you know, um, complications with various types of pregnancies where w- a woman who is responsible and uh, goes to the doctor early enough can deal with it through the medical sector. And I think that that's fine. I don't think that's a moral issue. Um, what I don't like is this, like you said, the shout your abortion. I'm proud of my abortion. I can have as many abortions as I want. And my it's no first abuse. abortion
0: was my favorite one.
1: Yeah, like this kind of stuff, like that should have had
0: an abortion.
1: <laughs> that harms think women think because, like, think. women who have abortions, majority of them actually do. Um, they, I think a lot, maybe not majority. I shouldn't speak without knowing this uh, for sure because I don't know it for sure. But I would imagine that there are women out there who have abortions and they struggle deeply, mm. right? Because it's it's not something that I think is an enjoyable experience. No. And by minimizing the severity and the trauma of something like going through an abortion, you um you you sort of neglect. Um, the psychological aftermath of having an abortion, wh- which would shame a woman into seeking help if she mm-hmm. wanted to get help, because she was dealing with depression or shame or guilt as a result of doing it. The the the, the solution isn't destigmatizing abortion, no. right? It's giving that woman healthcare and having a real conversation about you know the trauma and how heartbreaking and devastating having an abortion probably is.
0: Mm-hmm. I think every animal in the kingdom. Uh, when it suffers a uh, miscarriage or the death of a litter, mm. uh, it feels emotionally attached to that death. Of so, course. Uh, how could it be any different for humans to say, oh, well, well, no, I just. And, you know, Crowder had a hidden camera there a couple months ago, somebody uh, that had a nine month abortion done and sat in the waiting room at uh, Planned Parenthood. Oh, I, I saw even, that. Yeah, and, and, and spoke about how her husband wasn't on the same page as her. And like I can't even imagine your husband saying, "No, honey, we should have this kid." And her, like,
1: it, it's a sensitive. See, that's something book. that I really disagree with people. People make the argument that like um, the child is only the child's life is only of value if it is wanted, right? That's something mm-hmm. like. If, if, a, if a woman is six weeks pregnant or whatever And then has a miscarriage and she wanted that baby Those same liberals would be like, oh my god, I'm so sorry Like, this is so traumatic and this is so bad But if a woman is six week pregnant and she doesn't want the baby And then she goes to have an abortion, it's like, yeah, you go girl mm. Get it done, you know like So there's this kind of, there's this inconsistency With um, terms, I think, on the left that drives the right crazy And rightfully so um, But, you know... <sighs> I don't know. It's it's such a complicated, it's such a complicated topic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's really hard to navigate. And I get a lot of flack because mm-hmm. I'm a Christian and I try to find where the middle ground is um, for the benefit of women on this issue. Right. And it's not fun, you know, but uh, it's not a fun topic. But, you know, it is definitely probably like when you were talking about how conversations were having badly, mm. that is number one. No, maybe immigration is number one. And then that's number two.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Robin, I love you. I'm proud of you. And I really <laughs> appreciate your work. I think you got a great sense of humor. I, I, I sense a great strength within you. Uh, and I, I you. really give you props for that. You're one of my favorite accounts on Twitter. On the way out you could have any woman on girl talk any woman who are you who are you gunning for now that's still alive and available to come on the show like somebody that you would really
1: um okay so actually
0: other than amy so
1: so one girl that i really want that i haven't secured is uh and she's not really a woman she's like a 14 year old girl who's kind of like have you heard of this? No, this person Sof. So uh,
2: I'll
1: I'll DM you a link okay. um, of her content because it's extremely edgy. But she's like fourteen years old, and so she wow. has the left in this tailspin, right? Really, because she's
2: she just, conservative?
1: Just, uh, it's a, she's a comedian. Oh, she's okay. an entertainer. So she says things that are edgy, right? She says things that are like very like they'll catch you off guard because she's just this little tiny 14-year-old girl yeah, yeah. um and she's being attacked by grown men who are journalists in the mainstream media so i want i want to I would love to talk to her, but okay. I haven't made contact with her yet. Someone who I really want to have contact that I just mm-hmm. have made contact with that you can watch out for is Lindsay Shepard. She's going to be on my uh, my my podcast in the next couple weeks, which I'm really excited about.
0: You tell her has said hello. I've been chasing her as well. I know she just had a baby, but you yes. know what? if you don't want to come on the show, just say, I don't want to do your show. Don't give me all kinds of... I'm still going to chase her. Lindsay, I love <laughs> you too. Uh, what a champion she has been for, um, yes. you know, just would seem uh, maybe i got it all wrong pretty girl seems mild-mannered but mm-hmm. has this fight this fire that won't yes. freaking die and just last night or the day before well she was uh, she was before uh, a house of commons committee or something at parliament yeah. and and i just i sent her a message said hey i love you keep you you know keep your chin up feel like your last tweet maybe you just needed someone to say hey i love you so from saint Catharines, <laughs> you know here you go i give you a little bit of it but uh got a lot of time for her too she opened my eyes yeah. zuby asked me when i got red pilled uh and all i could think of was the left's reaction to jordan peterson yeah that, that was <laughs> like when that trans activist came up and said are you okay with nazis being at your rally and he just said i don't like nazis like, yeah, yeah, what you are know, you talking like, about? <laughs> what's your problem? And I think that's where I started to snowball. And, yeah. and I'm grateful for it because, you know, like I said earlier, I, I mean, I, I at least pat myself on the back enough to go, you know what? I struggle with those beliefs that I used to have. I'm not that guy anymore. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, of better course. to be open minded and flexible to change your opinion on something to just be nope that's the way it is and i'm never changing you know like come on that's not that's no way to go through life with blinders on so
1: i agree thank you so much for having me on um You're i welcome. hope we can have a chat again sometime in the future awesome. and i hope that you can red pill all the canadian boomers out there because <laughs> okay. we, we we really need that to happen
0: <laughs> thanks robin McKetcher at cc bucko on twitter and critical condition on youtube robin i really appreciate it we'll talk soon thank you Thank you, bye-bye. How do you shut this thing off now? There you go. She did it for me. Okay. Cece Bucko, if you need her. An hour and 51. Wow, that was a time flies. Uh, She's over across the pond there. I thought she was in Ireland. No, she is not. And um, Cece Bucko, check her out on YouTube. She's critical condition. Cece Bucko will show up as well. yeah check it out and uh, give us a like if you're watching on youtube like subscribe comment hit the notification bell visit rockartown.ca if you want to see all wanna listen to all niagara music commercial free and uh, touch us up at uh, team niagara if you want to sell your shack we're on facebook we're on uh, instagram we're on pinterest I don't post much on Pinterest. Uh, visit the commission coach, thecommissioncoach.com. If you're selling your house and you think that a lower commission will make you more money, wrong. If you're an agent that's using a discount commission on your selling broker or your co op, uh, take a look at yourself, shake yourself. You're doing it backwards. Offer a little bit more commission, and maybe your sellers will get a little bit more money. Check you soon. Thank you, Facebook. I'm out.